Hello and welcome to SAPChat. I'm your host, Jaron Main. Now, I've been heavily involved in Signavio over the last couple of years. It was clear that clients looking to adopt S4HANA needed to build a clear business case that drove business value. It simply isn't an upgrade in the old sense of the word. In order to transform a business, you need to understand your business processes, how to optimise them, and that's where Signavio came in. But in a sense, that only gives us part of the picture. You need to understand the enterprise architecture and multi-cloud environment supporting that, and hey presto, SAP acquired Lean IX to cover this. Except, any person using SAP will tell you that what happens in SAP is only really part of the story. What happens around SAP, how you interact with SAP, is key. And in mid-January, SAP announced a strategic partnership with NOAA, a powerful task mining tool. So I'm delighted today that I'm joined by Brian Burns, CEO and Chairman at NOAA Software. Brian's built a successful career building and managing software companies to realise their market potential and maximise shareholder value. An entrepreneur who has founded several startups. So Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, you, I, I kind of reached out to you on LinkedIn um, following the announcement with, with SAP. Um, but before we go into that in more detail, uh, I often start these podcasts with understanding your background and, and how you came to be CEO of, of NOAA. How, how, what's your story? What's your backstory? Well, uh, to start at the beginning, uh, my father was a scientist and uh, had great influence over over me. <laughs> so uh, I uh, went into the sciences, uh, chemistry, physics, um, and um, back back in those days, uh, when you're working in a lab, you had to program your own computers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure the scientists, uh, engineers do that today as well. But back then, there were, you, know, you didn't have much much options. Uh, and so I started uh, in the lab. I got my first exposure to software. I met my wife and she asked me what the starting salary is for a chemist. And <laughs> <laughs> she was supportive, but I, I saw the look in her eyes. Yeah. And, uh, um, so I started to take some business courses to understand um the business world um back back then i thought you know i envisioned a career trajectory that would be at a chemical pharmaceutical company and then move into management and so i thought i really needed to understand the, the language of business uh and uh i immediately got involved in software i got attracted to software and mm. my first my first job um outside of science uh, there were uh, a group of professors at the Rochester Institute of Technology that developed a program, which was essentially a laboratory notebook. Right. So you can record results of, of experiments, etc. Um, and back in the day, we were using compact computers. The, they were called luggables. Yes, yeah. you could I barely do. lug them around. <laughs> but the, the, and I would bring them on a plane. The advantage of those those luggables is that they had open slots, card slots. So we would put A to D analog to digital converters in the slots. Ah, uh, okay. And then hook them up to the the laboratory instruments and collect the data, digitize the data, and then run 
analyses like Fourier transforms and other analysis of the data. Very cool stuff. And uh, you can imagine it, in those times walking into a lab and, and demonstrating that. In fact, I was meeting with the head of R&D at a pharmaceutical company. I'm in his office and he says to me, come with me, bring the computer. He brings me into an operating room <laughs> when there was a dog on the table no. under sedation. He said, okay, can you hook it up to this device and let's see what you can do. <laughs> so no, uh, no pressure. From there, yeah. From there, I moved into laboratory information management systems, LIMS. Right. Yep. Uh, which was, uh, you know, obviously it's a big business now. And we, we had actually had a uh, partnership with IBM on the uh, AS400 back in the day. Um, so those were mid-sized computers and they, they were pitching the lab market for those computers. And LIMS was a great application because of the ability to storage, storage, store large amounts of data. Yep. Um, and actually those two, two jobs were some of my initial startups. Right. And that got me exposed into the entrepreneurial world, world um, venture capital backed companies and uh, I got the bug um, and I think I, I enjoyed the excitement I enjoyed you know seeing the unlimited potential of a startup yeah um, I also saw how do I phrase this in a positive way but you know uh, well whatever the the relative incompetence of some of the management there and uh you know, I was a you know entry level employee, but I'm looking at some of the decisions and how they were made, and I'm, it just didn't seem right to me. And I said, yeah. you know, I think I could do better. And so, yeah. uh, I don't know where the confidence came from, but uh, you know, from there, I I, I realized I, I should probably um, move out into the business software world because of the you know increased opportunities. For, for my career. Mm. And that's how I got into the, on the, the corporate side. Um, as you mentioned, I, I have founded, I've been the, I won't say I found that I've been the founding member of four companies. And, you know, everything you read about and watch in movies, uh, I lived through that, uh, not making payroll and, you know, trying to close the deal that will make the company yep. or the partnership that will make the company. And, uh, there's something to be said for uh, being in uh, under those pressure situations where you have to perform. You have to find a way to perform. And um, I've been very lucky. Uh, luck certainly plays a role. I've been lucky. I have a lot of great success. Um, if you ask me some of my – the formula for success, uh, I would say it, it's certainly the team that you build and the people you surround yourself with. And uh, I've been very fortunate to uh, attract those people. Uh, obviously, it's reciprocal. Mm. People, those people want to work, work with me, which is great. Uh, and uh, you know, there's there's some basic rules uh, that you you manage by. And you know, there's what what I've seen at larger companies where I worked a lot of politics and backstabbing and mm. egos which does not work um, at a startup. Of course you have egos. I mean, the start, people in the startup are cowboys, right? They think they know better, and mm. but uh, you can't let that, that get in your way. And so uh, you know, I've been very successful with that. 
founding these companies. Uh, I, I, I guess I have some sort of sense for technology, uh, identifying technology that I, I believe will be successful, mm. that fills um, uh, what was attractive to me is technology that um, is unique in some respect. Uh, I guess that's a characteristic of, of many startups. You know, we feel that we've we do it better than everyone else out yep. there, and oftentimes you do, right? You mm. move into the next generation of technology. But um, I've done that with uh, the laboratory software. I found that I was a, one of the co-founders of a company uh, prior to uh, I guess two jobs before the NOAA where I'm at presently. We were uh, applying predictive analytics to e-commerce sites, so we were right. analyzing the behavior, like like with Amazon. You know, people mm. who looked at this product bought that product. How do you determine that mm. um, in real time for e-commerce? Someone shopping, you want to present the most compelling purchase item for them, and how how do you know? Right, you know, it's really a combination of the overall community, you look at the behavior of the community. I mean, the analogy is you follow someone in a department store mm. and you see, okay, the woman, she tried on shoes, she picked up a purse, and what is she going to buy? How do you predict that? Well, if you follow around 5,000 people, the shoppers, gets, you begin yeah. to understand. And obviously, when you, when you, um, and you have the technology to to analyze that. So that was very successful. A company called Sertona, uh, which was uh, eventually acquired. Um, but you know we were forerunners in that market, and um, I think timing is also important. And I'll, I'll touch on that with Noah. The uh, when when we launched Sertona e-commerce sites, uh, the priority was keeping this the site up and running. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd come in there with predictive analytics and tracking behavior, and they would look at me like, well, you're just like three generations ahead of where we're at. We're just trying to keep the make sure we, we book the orders and ship the product. And now, yeah. you know, every every e-commerce site has these sophisticated analytics. Mm. Um, but, you know, what's exciting about that is, you know, you you can do an A to B test with the, with the users, the visitors, the buyers, and you could – you could show the the owners of the business the the benefit, the value of the predictive analytics, and you could see the delta, the increase in in performance. So that's a a, a little bit of an overview of of, of my career and um, you know what I was doing, you know, for a couple of decades before I got to Noah. So you you uh, you you end up in, in Noah. What was the what was the background to the, the, the role as a, a CEO and, and what attracted you to that? So I, I was hired by the the investors in the company uh, about seven years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, again, what was attractive to me is the uniqueness of this technology. And um, essentially, what it, you know, there are several buzzwords, you know, that you can use to describe what, what category NOAA is in. Uh, I would contend that we're in several categories and I would redefine some of the other categories. So I'm not going to get into all the semantics, but user analytics. So, you know, similar to the Sertona story, now let's apply that into the corporate world with enterprise software. Mm. 
So companies invest significant funds in these enterprise systems, in many cases, tens of millions of dollars, and they deploy these systems and IT will claim success up and running. And then invariably the users complain, you know, this is worse than it was before. It's slow and and for some reason, well, well, we could probably get to a whole nother discussion. You know, the user performance and the user's needs become secondary. Uh, and that, I think that's been historical in, in our business. Uh, you know, and the uh, IT professionals, again, I'm generalizing, but you know, they're focused on the technology. The users are core to the success of these systems. And so when the users complain, number one, what's the root cause of that? The system wasn't designed properly. The processes are not intuitive. The UI is confusing. They weren't trained properly. The users are bored. They're bored with the jobs, and that impacts how they're interacting with these systems. They weren't trained. Uh, so a variety of reasons, and each or they're getting errors, right? Yep. And, and so each of those, those uh challenges require a different type of intervention and corrective action. So when you say, let's train the users, wait, the UI isn't intuitive. What are you train, training them on? Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, what one obvious example is uh, the help desk, right? So the mm. users, the users, we, we hear these stories, the users call into the help desk and, and with our software, so we're, we're, collecting information on the user journey. We're looking at all their, their interaction with the enterprise software. And let me just clarify here. We're only looking at the user interaction with the software, the business software. Yep. We're not videotaping the screen. I don't know what you're searching in, in your search engine. I don't know what emails mm. you're composing in your personal email. None of that is tracked and the data is often anonymized by our customers because you the, you get the largest ROI when you're applying corrective measures for thousands or tens of thousands of users. Yep. So it doesn't matter what Sally or Jim are doing. It matters what Sally's team of a thousand shipping clerks are doing. And so getting back to my example of the, the help desk, someone calls the help desk and uh, we're collecting this data in real time. We're not reading logs. Mm. And this is unique NOAA data. So we're collecting the data that the agent will look at the log and they'll see that this user is getting several errors and over a course of time. And they'll ask the user, well, why haven't you called before? And they'll say, well, I don't want to be on the phone with you for half an hour. You know, I'm on I'm on a shop floor. I'm, I'm in, in the factory. I don't have time for this. And my colleague told me to hit F, <laughs> shift F2 <laughs> and it fixed the error sometimes, yep. most of the time, right? So um, you don't even know that these errors are occurring. So that's wasted time. So, you know, so with our software, the example I gave you was a reactive approach. You know, they call in yep. and you, you advise them. The, the more effective uh, app application of software is being proactive. Let's run some reports and see which errors are having the greatest business impact, be it the number of users or the nature of the 
components of the software in which they're engaging, right? So if this this is impacting the business, uh, let's rectify those errors first. Um, which is so that, that's it. Sorry, I was going to say it, which is an important aspect because so often now we're talking about AI and we're talking about automation. But I guess your point is very much around you need to understand where those errors are occurring because otherwise you're going to automate and, and get those errors quicker. Right. Well, let's talk about automation, RPA, right? So that that's a, a very hot topic. How do you know which transactions or processes to automate? Uh, what are your criteria? Well, some of the criteria would be processes that require the least human intervention, or maybe the processes in which the humans are injecting the, the most errors, or they're not in compliant, or they're security violations. How do you know that, right? So, and you'll have higher employee motivation due to non-repetitive and higher value work, hmm. right? So. Once you know which um, process to automate, we can monitor the bot as well. So you have overall enhanced uh, customer experience. Uh, so that's one one example, RPA. And, and these, so in, in reference to um, SAP, SAP uh, partnership started almost 16 years ago. And at that time, the use case was around training and adoption. Mm. So uh, how do you know which uh, which employees need to be trained? You know, historically, we would put employees in a classroom for several days and teach them everything, and their eyes would glaze over after the first two hours, right? But what if you can identify where the employee is struggling and be very and provide very focused training? What if you would have a baseline? of performance across the organization, you apply the training resources and then you measure the performance post-training. So you have a true measure of the effectiveness of the training. Uh, very logical, but companies aren't doing that today. And I think that was when I came across NOAA. It must have been about 2008. And it was, I remember, with the SAP training team, they were very much an advocate of it at that point. But you're right, it was about training. And quite often when you implement SAP, you give it a few months and, it, you know, the user community are complaining that, you know, um, it's not as easy to use. Uh, it, it, some of the processes are a bit long-winded. The, the typical view from IT is that they just need to be trained. Once they're trained, they'll know to use it. I wanted to pick up on something I think it's really important because you've used the 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 term experience now, user experience, customer experience, right. about improving right. the experience. And I noticed that SAP referred to this as task mining, which probably right. makes you cringe because you're like, well, that's not really what we're all about. It's a category that we're kind of put into, but clearly you don't see um, Noah in that kind of blunt bucket that, that appears to be kind of published around you sometimes? Yeah, um, you know, that's sort of a, a strategic positioning, marketing discussion. Uh, you know, task mining is still an emerging product category. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are a variety of definitions, and oftentimes a vendor will take ownership of a definition, <laughs> and that, you know, the first vendor out of the box defines it. And, you know, I look at some of these task mining solutions and I'm thinking, 
well, well how do you define task mm. right and and i say that uh uh again we're, we're not you know uh again I, I could talk about this a lot so i'm, I'm trying to you know be focused <laughs> here but you know what noah does is unique and that we're capturing the granular data. You know, you're on this screen, you click this field, hmm. right? You got this error. This is how long it took for the next screen to respond to you. So granular data, true task mining, as opposed to general task mining, general behavior. Uh, you know, the use cases for both. But if now if you're looking at process analytics, right? That is very, very detailed. I'm not an expert on process analytics, but you know, from, from my experience and you know what I'm hearing from our partners and our customers, um, you know, the 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 the, the analysis of, of these processes is obviously on a very detailed level. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the solutions out there for process mining are looking at the logs of, the, of these processes, but they're not including the users, mm. right? So in many cases, the user kicks off the process. So is the user, if the user enters errors or non-compliant information at the beginning of the process, and you're not monitoring the users, then the whole process is compromised right from the beginning. So you could you could improve the efficiency of a process, but your but the process is already compromised. Well, so it, it completely. And I do remember many many years ago uh, implementing SAP. At, let's just say it was a, an automotive um, manufacturer, but not of automotives. It's more plant, heavy plant. Um, and you know what we. What we hadn't realized was that actually the process on paper looked great, but halfway through the process, uh, there were a couple of individuals in, in production scheduling that would export everything into an Excel spreadsheet, mess around with it, decide what they were going to do and push it back. And and that completely for everyone, because they had no idea this was going on and it had such right. a profound impact. And of course, that is exactly the sort of thing that um, Noah would identify. Yeah. Correct. And that, that's what's exciting about the partnership with Signavia. We've been um, an SAP partner for 16 years, as I mentioned. Um, and initially, we talked about the use case of training and adoption. Hmm. Uh, but as I mentioned, Help Desk has been a very compelling use case for NOAA. Um, cloud migration, digital transformation, S4 migration um, has probably been our, our hottest use case over the past several years. Because the same sort of concepts apply. Uh, I'm going to migrate. Okay, how do you determine which components modules to migrate first? Hmm. How do you know which ones are most widely used? Which which ones are um, introducing inefficiencies? Let's prioritize those. So, and also you have a baseline. Okay, when when you're post migration and you're measuring ROI, what are you measuring the ROI of? I can I can tell you. I'm giving you hardcore ROI because I could tell you that the transactions are co completing more quickly with fewer errors. Mm. So you can measure that ROI in, in a variety of with a variety of, of metrics. Um, and so that that's just a logical extension. And I think a lot of the um, a lot of the 
initiative with uh, on the user side is also due to demographics. Uh, you know, if you look at the workforce, right, the, the younger generation in the workforce grew up with smartphones and iPads. Yep. And you put them in front of ERP <laughs> systems and they I look know. at you say, you know, uh, you know, this is not a happening company. And so uh, overlay that with now the work from home dynamic. Yep. So pe people are not being supervised or or people don't have the benefit of going to the next cubicle and getting some mentoring and advice. Uh, overlay that with the uh, the value of retaining your employees. What's the number one criteria for job satisfaction? It's uh, feeling that you're being productive. And so if if you're frustrated, you're not going to be productive, and you you know you may not be retained. Um, so we're we're seeing that as well as 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 uh, additional dynamics in the market. Well, I believe this the whole focus on the user now is becoming a priority, and so that's why you're seeing a lot of um, press on task mining and these new task mining companies come out and guided learning, for example. Yeah. Uh, you know, the guided learning like um, SAP Enable Now, you, you need to know what the users are doing in real time. And yeah. so um, it's all sort of synergistic with what we do. And so we, we were in this, uh, uh, in our, our, our history with SAP, we were in the training and adoption and the services organization, hmm. uh, which is interesting because here we are partnered with one of the top enterprise software companies in the world and mm. software salespeople were not selling our software. <laughs> we we're in the services and training organization and they did a great job. And now we've moved into a software um, division, which is really exciting for us. And the synergies and we're integrating the data with Signavio. So you're going to have a um, you know, one window into the end to end. Right? Everyone talks about end to end visibility. Well, you're not including the users. How's it end to end? I don't. Well, we and we were we were discussing this, weren't we? Because um, I, I think that's the really important thing: the actual integration into Signavio. And I think uh, SAP are talking about business transformation suite, and, so, and and quite rightly. But we were talking about this notion that you know, if you think Signavio is a process, it shows you the end-to-end -end process. But you know, it's really powerful. Uh, and as I said at the intro, I've been using it for a couple of years very successfully. But what it is doing, it's like joining a, a highway and, and you can see that you're going from point A to B. And you can see what you're doing along that highway, but you're not seeing the intersections. You're not seeing if you got off to fill up for fuel or if you, you know, stopped to go to a restaurant or whatever it may be. So, you know, it's giving you a really good picture, but it's not mm -hmm. giving you the whole picture. And from what you're you're saying, that's that's the value that that you're bringing to to that um, that dynamic. Yeah, certainly the, the the whole the whole component of the user interaction. So you know when you talk about risk management and governance and compliance, optimization of operations, scaling of automation, um, the cost savings through better resource allocation, elimination of manual effort, all of those you know, have an impact on the bottom line. And and without getting too technical, the actual integration of it, you mentioned the integration now with, with Signavio. Have you had to do 
significant changes to enable that? Or has it been a relatively uh, painless situ- uh, process? It has. It's been pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of uh, determining, you know, which uh, tags, like a, a case ID, transaction ID, you know, then you could correlate the data. Right. Okay. And that's really what's coming down to correlating the data. Um, they're pretty straightforward. To give it to give a unified view of what's going on. Correct. Exactly. And and so. Obviously, this is a huge announcement, but what what next then for for Noah? Where 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 are we go? Because it's evolving so quickly, and you said quite rightly we started off in two thousand and eight, where you had a partnership with SAP around sort of training predominantly, and that's grown to where we are today. Where where do you see it going in the future? Well, you know, we want to get this off the ground and have it successful. <laughs> of course, where, yeah. you know, there's a. Um, you know, there's there's a huge opportunity for us. Um, you know, and I think actually uh, leveraging our mutual customer base is going to be, you know, mm. give us a really running start. Um, uh, look, AI is obviously the next step. Yeah. Right. And so we're we're in the research phase of that. We've we've been in the research phase of AI. I've been pushing the team for the past three or four years. And we've been doing a lot of research with um, SAP's AI, um, IBM Watson and others. Um, so we're going to the we're going to move pretty quickly on that when that initiative. I think that's uh, I think there'd be a lot of value. Um, very straightforward things like recommendations, uh, problem resolution um, and uh, scalability. So uh, that's that's next. That's a big next. That's a big next, but of course, at the moment, a, a great announcement with uh, with with Thank SAB, uh, a great um, complement extension to the Signavio tool suite. So, Brian, I appreciate you're really busy. If uh, everyone listening wants to know more, then I guess we go to either the SAP site or Noah.com to to find out more. Um, but Brian, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. I know you're incredibly busy there in New York. So thank you very much indeed. And I hope to see you soon. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you.